This is Space Cats Peace Turtles, the unofficial podcast for Fantasy Flight's Twilight Imperium. Episode 16, First Round Strategies, The Mentac Coalition. Music by Ben Prunty, featuring Matt Martins and Hunter Donaldson. Boys and girls, welcome to We it. are the pirates who don't do anything. We just stay home and lie around. And if you ask us to do anything, we'll just tell you we don't do anything. That's some good, good wholesome Christian humor for you, Hunter. Do you ever watch Veggie Tales? podcast over turn it off uh please throw take your car speakers out of the side of your car and throw them outside take your desktop speakers throw them outside take <laughs> rip the earbuds out of your ear throw them outside you don't like on my them. musical intros hunter i just i don't want to pull back the curtain here but uh he told me he had a bit like a like an ace in the hole like something <laughs> something to get excited about and he, he was so excited about it that he had it written down somewhere and he he shielded it from my eyes so that i couldn't see it and then was like i need you to give me a lead in and i start talking and i'm not sure but i'm pretty sure his ace in the hole was a reference to an early cg christian cartoon <laughs> that most people watched off vhs that they got from the library or from their pastor or directly from their <laughs> pastor. Today we're talking about the pirates, though. That's the joke. Hunter, the pirates who don't do anything. Do you I get don't it? do this podcast, I'll tell you that much right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, all right, we're talking about Mentac this week. It's our first round strategy for the Mentac Coalition. Hunter, did you know... Oh, yeah, let's theme. Yeah, theme, 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 theme. Did you know theme, theme. that the Mentac Coalition have a government called the Table of Captains. Ooh, the Table of Captains. It is a wood table. <laughs> is it wooden? It's uh, sanded. That's what it says in the... If you look at the back of the sheet, it says that it's a big table and that it's uh, really... It's got a good finish. <laughs> a nice mahogany. Um, no, these are the space pirates, and they do all the things that space pirates do. Um, I'm going to say this, though. I think the pirates who don't do anything is very apt for these guys, because... You don't so much pirate as you just tax. It's just taxation all across the board, and you just kind of, like, sit back in an armchair and, yes, yes, I'll take one of those. Thank you. Come on, let the dough roll in. I just can't believe you're still trying to sell, this sell your, your Veggie Tales thing into, as if it was a... Well, I, uh, it's a clever thing. I was looking into the uh, into the race sheet, and let me tell you, yeah. they're, they're basically the Australians. They're the space Australians. Yes. Yeah, yeah. That's their, uh, their actual thing. That's right. <laughs> You got the Mintech. Oh you got God. the Mintech Coalition. And here we are. This is for all you Aussies. I've you never... Kiwis out there might find this a bit of a kicker. I've never felt more, like, not... Not into it. Not into this. <laughs> uh, all right, Hannah. So, let's talk about the Mintech. What's, Fine. What, what's your favorite uh, mechanic? 
that the, <laughs> that the men tech have at their disposal. You have a really good... That's that's pretty good. Um, Our Australian fans are going to be like, stop doing that. It's horrible. It's a... It's a shame did you hear how he nailed mechanic mechanic that's good <laughs> that's pretty good that's that's i think even our australian listeners would agree that's that's really good really god what, what, what i don't know i don't even know where to where start are we going anymore. let's like let's start all right let's let's just break down everything that's on their race sheet um i'm gonna start with talking about how the fact that i think the men tack have the best um combination of abilities everything in the mentech is this perfect synergy where it all works together you got a lot of races where it feels like another ability was just tacked on to kind of like oh let's boost them up a little bit or like oh this is sort of on theme but everything with the mentech works and plays off of each other and honestly though it it's been fixed because it used yeah. to it's the way you just described them is how i would have described them in ti3 with like the ambush ability yeah. being like this like Okay, I guess that's cool they can do that. Right. Why is that? Like, that doesn't synergize with it, really. But yeah. now it does. Yes. Um, and let's go ahead and read their abilities. So their first ability is Ambush. At the start of a space combat, you may roll one die for each of up to two cruisers or destroyers in the system. For each result equal to or greater than that ship's combat value, produce one hit. Your opponent must assign it to one of his ships. Essentially, it's a pre-fire. Mm-hmm. And it, uh, it hurts. Uh Pillage is the second ability. After one of your neighbors gain tra- gains trade goods or resolves a transaction, if he has three or more trade goods, you may take one of his trade goods or commodities. Can I be honest? Yes. Um, I have never interpreted the second part of that ability uh, to its fullest extent. Oh, wow. I just realized you get to steal if they resolve any. They don't even have to gain new trade goods. If they resolve a transaction and they have three trade goods, you oh, just I get, get what you're it. saying. Even notes, yeah. they don't have to. If get they just more give goods. someone a promissory note, they they get yeah, you get their money. Or if Hakan ever gives someone an action card, you get to take a trade good. It's funny oh. that you're just hearing this revelation that probably most wow. people have paid attention to and know, but we're so used to the old ability of just like it being yeah, with, just watching the trade contracts around. Yeah, and, and yeah, so it's a great ability. Um, it makes them pirates. But that don't do anything. Oh, he's on board. All right. They also have a flagship uh, called the Fourth Moon, and it's a very, very, very good flagship. Um, other players' ships in this system cannot use sustain damage. It might be cool to eventually uh, just do a ranking episode where we just talk Rank about the, the flagships. flagships. That'd be fun. Yeah, those yeah. hot, sexy flagships. <laughs> this is one of the good ones. Yeah, it rolls two on a seven, uh, which is middling that's, Fine. that's average Fine. and yeah it's it's very good the capacity three capacity three that's pretty standard it can as well. sustain damage yep but there are people can and they have they have two commodities which is bad but doesn't matter to these guys you, yeah but it commodities is bad. it's bad um but it's really not your game if they had more it would be better yes <laughs> true <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's something i'll say there's my hey, legit uh yeah. real you know i'm really looking at it Look, right. they had more commodities um, you know that'd be better than less like if they had 15 <laughs> that'd be pretty good be you know really good. wouldn't it be cool if they had 80 yeah uh, let's also just at the top of the episode because there's going to be we're going to talk about all these things a lot this episode as opposed to some where we don't really get into their racial text. Let's go over their racial text. Salvage operations. Uh, it's a two yellow requirement and it's after you win or lose a space combat. So after a space combat, gain one trade good. 
If you won the combat, you may also produce one ship in that system of any ship type that was destroyed during the combat. Yummy. It's it's very good. I wouldn't say it's like amazing, but the fact that it's on the way to your other tech, it's a great tech to get because your other incredibly important racial tech. Ooh, I get to read it. Mirror computing. Oh, probably one of everybody's favorites and most well-known racial techs. Mirror computing. It's a three yellow requirement. Um, and the text reads, when you spend trade goods, each trade good is worth two resources or influence instead of one. And wow. That's incredibly <laughs> versatile. That means when you spend trade goods on resource or influence objectives, when you send, spend resources to buy tech or ships, and also when you spend influence to gain command counters from leadership. Mm-hmm. Trade goods count doubly for all of those things. Trade goods are the most um, flexible resource, the and best resource. Yes. If you could convert all of it to trade goods, yes. you would, and it would be the best, and this is doubling that. Yep. It's kind of insane. It is the most, of all the techs in the game, it is the most direct, gets-you-points tech yes, that I can really think of. Yeah. Like yeah. It's almost just like a, all right, make... A bunch of the victory points half way as more difficult. Yeah. Like yeah, uh, and then the last thing to quickly go over is their promissory note, which is a also it honestly this one might be my favorite uh, promissory note. Yeah. Um. There's there's one other promissory note that I think is more useful, and that's the Jolnar. But mm-hmm. Mentax is incredibly useful. It's not that scary to give it it's out. Balance. It's balanced. It's balanced. Like that's the thing. So, uh, when you give it to someone, they can, as an action, place this card face up in their play area. While this card is in your play area, the Mentak player cannot use his Pillage faction ability against you. That's the one that lets you steal trade goods. If you activate a system that contains one or more of the Mentak player's units, return this card to the Mentak player. So, you give someone the promise of, hey, I'm not going to steal from you. But, you can make it very difficult and get in their way to where they really question whether or not they're going to give it right back to you. Mm-hmm. And that's what I love about it is mm-hmm. it's it's something that the Mentak player has some control over how they uh, handle having given it out. Yeah. We'll talk more about that yeah, later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so let's, uh, let's talk about their starting system, unit. Starting yeah. unit, starting tech. Boom, so boom. they start with a 4-1 planet, which yeah. is one planet Normal. system's not great, but it's pretty good. Uh, I love it because... Having a four uh, resource means you've got six production capacity from the get-go, which, as Mentac, you can survive on for a while. I played a game recently. I never built a second space dock and mm-hmm. felt like I had I was doing okay. I would have liked a second one, but I ended up focusing on PDS more. And the gist is six is enough to get by. Yeah, let's start by that starting tech. Yeah. Now. Oh, it's so juicy. you start with Sarween Tools, our favorite starting tech, and yeah. you also start with Plasma Scoring, another great uh, starting tech. And that opens you up to some really, really fun opportunities, having one red and one yellow. Should we jump into the early game? What are we doing as the mentor? early game time, yeah. yeah. Let's talk about some pie slice. Let's talk about some map placement. Okay. Let's talk about before the game started. Yes, we're building our map. What do we want? I'm going to give maybe some controversial advice, maybe weird advice. My number one desire as a Mentac player is I want a planet with a green tech specialty. That's either New Albion or it's Tarman. Those are the only two, and you need one of them, preferably adjacent to your home system if you can swing it. Um, that's going to help you a huge, huge, huge amount, and 
this is a point I've brought up on forums and stuff before and had, had a little bit of kickback too. And here's my defense of it. Um, the gist is your number one goal early on, you need to get cruiser two. You need stasis capsules. You start with a red and a yellow, and all you need is a green. Now, Neuromotivator is a great tech, and it's handy to have, but you want cruiser two so incredibly fast that being able to skip it very quickly and make Cruiser 2 the very first tech that you buy, I think is crucial. Now, you may never use that green tech specialty ever again, but round one or round two, it is so crucial to helping you get your game started on the right foot that I think it's a requirement to have it in your pie slice. There are other arguments for having a yellow tech near you because you're going to want to jump deep into yellow to get mirror computing quickly, but the difference here is every yellow tech along the way is useful to you more so than i think neural motivator is useful to you and the most useful thing you can do is get cruiser 2 immediately so getting that green tech is like the biggest thing that you can do to help yourself in that uh, venture and i would honestly take a green tech specialty over any amount of resources mm -hmm. if if there was one planet in my home slice outside of my home system and it was the one with the green tech, and that's the only resources available to me, I still want that. Now, the benefit is New Albion Starpoint is a pretty good system, so if that's the one near you, you're doing okay. But if Tarman is the only planet in your pie slice, I still would pick it over everything else because of the amount of damage you're going to be able to do with getting Cruiser 2 very, very fast. Having three movement cruisers that can carry a single ground force means you can get into other people's pie slices no problem. I listened to all of that, and I heard uh, Matt say home slice, which is what home I'm going to call my own pie slice from now on. <laughs> Stay away from my home slice. <laughs> um, but Matt, we're getting we're getting into yeah. okay. Like how are, how are we going to do all that? Yeah, that's a all... lot you put on our plate for round one. Right. How it dare is. you? It, it how, how are we going to? That's so much. So we got to get to cruiser two. Let's talk about what strategy cards you're picking first. Your number one goal was to get that green tech near you. And for the next few minutes, we're going to assume that that happened for you. If it didn't, there's a whole other host of issues we got to deal with. But if you got that green tech, this is my number one suggestion for you on strategy cards. Take diplomacy. No matter what. If for some reason somebody else picks diplomacy before you're able to get it, Plan on using the secondary of diplomacy and plan on bribing the person who took diplomacy to use it as soon as possible. Um, How are you, you going to bribe them? You're going to you use your use promissory them? note, and if they're your neighbor, it's going to probably work because you're going to say, I will give you this promissory note if you play diplomacy right now. Because the first action you're going to take on your first turn is you're going to take that green tech specialty planet. And then your next action, you want to diplomacy it. Whether it's you playing Diplomacy or someone else playing Diplomacy, you need that to happen. Now, I want to note that if if you're going to make this deal, round one, you're going to have to send a cruiser yes. out there. Yeah, it's one of your cruisers, it's one of your command counters, but luckily, you, you probably kind of have it to spare, uh, especially if you're able to produce some more cruisers later, it might be okay. Or at the very least, you can promise that person... That promissory note in the future essentially you want diplomacy if somebody else picked tech and if you get lucky and for some reason somebody else picked diplomacy you can pick tech right 
pretty much, I wouldn't call it lucky. I think your best case scenario is you yourself taking diplomacy because mm-hmm. then you get to control the timing of refreshing that green tech specialty planet. Mm-hmm. I think that's crucial to you because the gist is you, I, there are so few scenarios where the person who took tech is going to play it on their very first action. It might happen sometimes, and if that's the case, that's the person you try to give that promissory note to. Because you need them to delay one turn, because your first turn is to take a planet, your second turn is to diplomacy that green tech planet, and then hopefully the next that person plays tech next. You basically need to be simpatico with like wherever you are at in that relationship, yes. you need to make sure that diplomacy you're playing diplomacy so that whoever picked tech yep. can get their two techs yes. that they're going to want. Um, and yeah, you need Ooh. tech or diplomacy, preferably preferably diplomacy, and you need to be in the pocket of whoever has the other one. So be vocal about it. Yes. Don't like, don't hide it. I mean, right. if it's a good player, they're going to know that's what you're going for anyways. So, But just, you have a lot to offer them Yeah. in that pillage um, promissory note. Um, so, okay, let's talk about if you can't get diplomacy and you can't get tech. Maybe Extra had the speaker token, they took diplomacy, and whoever was next, you're third in the line and you didn't get to take diplomacy or tech. What are we going to take? It becomes a little bit of a crapshoot. I would say my first suggestion is trade, um, mainly because you need to start getting the trade game rolling. It's not specifically because you need those three trade goods to do stuff really fancy really fast, um, but mostly you just want to replenish a lot of people's commodities and start setting yourself up to start stealing some trade goods. Ooh, and how many commodities do you want to replenish when you take trade as Mentech? Who, who else? Do you everybody. Want to... Oh, all of them. Yeah. Oh, okay, everybody's. Yeah. We're going to talk a lot about this later, but as Mentech, you are the trade encourager. We've talked a lot recently about like how Hakan maybe wants to single people out. I think Mentech have the opposite strategy. Mm-hmm. Mentech is refresh everybody so that everybody is a target. You really want people to be trading as much as possible. Mm-hmm. And when you're on the board, people do not want to trade has been our experience so far. The metagame really shifts around the Mentech. So by refreshing everyone's commodities, you force them into some tricky decision making. And it can... Honestly, more than anything, it might just throw their game off because they're having to consider it so much they stop considering other more important things. But let's move on from that point. Any other strategy cards you want to recommend? Leadership. Yeah. Leadership's always just a good pick because you can delay stuff if you need to. You can delay actions. Um, You're also going to be able to do lots of secondaries if, uh, if things went bad for you. Let's say someone took diplomacy, someone took tech, someone took trade. Well, leadership, you can at least still do the secondary of tech and the secondary of diplomacy without other things getting in your way. You can still do the secondary of warfare as well. And I just think leadership, it's its climbing up the bracket in my uh, um, starting round picks. I would never, if I'm the first person to pick, there's almost nobody I would pick leadership with. But if you're third or fourth or whatever, leadership is always the good backup. Yeah. I like the cards you pick because with diplomacy and tech, it's clearly all about just trying to get set up quickly. Yes. And then with trade and leadership, it's more focusing on like, okay, so we're not going to be able to yes. kill it in this first round. How do we set ourselves up to have a better second and third exactly. round? Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's a big you, – you basically have your contingency plan. If you can look at the board and realize, actually, there's no way I'm going to get Cruiser 2 round one. Your number one goal becomes, how do I make sure I get Cruiser 2 as early as possible round two? Mm-hmm. That's why, honestly, politics is up there as well, if if need be. Most people are not going to take politics, and if you take politics, at the very least, you're picking strategy cards first next turn. You can take politics, and next turn, p- 
pick technology or whatever it is you need exactly. Honestly, if you're last, in no matter what race you are, politics. politics is an option. Yes. And something you yeah. should consider. Right. So, um... The, the other thing of note is some of the secondaries you might want to consider um, are in this order. You definitely want to do the secondary of diplomacy if you didn't take diplomacy. Hopefully you got that green tech. You need to do the secondary of tech if you didn't do that. You may have to hold something off to be able to do the secondary of trade, but it's maybe not as big of a deal. And then the secondary of warfare, depending on how your game is, might become very, very important to you. Because if you are not able to do the Cruiser 2 scenario you need to get a second carrier on the board as fast as possible, which yeah. means you need to start bribing the Warfare player. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but it is critical that you research a tech round one. Absolutely. There's no way you cannot. Like, you have to do the secondary of tech or play tech yourself. You need at least one tech because my big suggestion with men tech is there is a list of tech that you want, and to me, every single one of them is crucial for every single game is men tech. The order in which you do them could potentially change... But by the end of the game, you need Cruiser 2, PDS 2, Salvage Operations, Mirror Computing. Done. Those are the four techs you 100% need to have every single game. Um, so you heard me mention PDS 2 in there, and that might come as a weird suggestion for Mentac. But the thing is, you start with the two prerequisites for it. You're just ready to get Deep Space Cannon immediately. And as the Mentac, you're playing very fast and loose and kind of all over the board, which means a lot of times your home slice (laughs) is not very well defended. And the best way to stop that is start dropping PDS-2s down. Get get Deep Space Cannon and put them all over your pie slice so that those are what defend your uh, system. And also... You are starting with and along the way getting lots of techs that also improve those PDS too. Some people suggest having that yellow tech starting planet in your home system. I don't think you need it though because Graviton Laser Systems is great to have. Yeah. You start with plasma scoring, get Graviton Laser Systems, get PDS2, get salvage operations, get mirror computing. That's the whole pathway. That's that's everything you need there in addition to Cruiser 2. And, and, and would transit diodes really be that much better? Oh, wait. Are you... you in Gravi- this, you would get transit you, diodes. No, no, you would get graviton laser system. Okay, so that's on sorry, let me go back. Uh, so the operations. idea is that you would skip to salvage operations. Eh. It's not worth. It's like yeah. graviton laser systems is going to help you out so much. Yeah. That like, why not? Why not get it on the way? People uh, may say it might be situational because graviton is kind of a situational tech, a depending bit. on the type of opponent you're going against. Sure. My argument is going to be in most games though, it's going to be critical for you as a mentac player, regardless of who your opponents are. Yeah. Because of what you're going to be doing with your cruisers and the fleets you're going to be building, you need something protecting your home slice. The home slice. The home slice. <laughs> Um, I can't believe it took us this long to get to home slice. Right? So, again, I really just want to drive this point home. Your round one plan, and then leading into the rest of the game, get the green tech specialty, diplomacy it, get cruiser two. If you have to, if you took tech, diplomacy is not going to work out the way you want it to work out, okay. Get neural motivator, and then get cruiser two. Yeah. There are pathways to do that. You just need two extra resources because your mole but primus is four. It needs, it needs to be round two. And need, no, no, no. I'm even saying round one. Should things work out where you can't get the green tech specialty, mm-hmm. your your trade off is to take tech yourself mm-hmm. and buy two techs. Get yeah. get the green neural motivator for free, and then have two resources in your pocket because you diplomacy'd a two-resource planet, 
and buy Cruiser Two. Okay, so what about let's let's do an even worse scenario. Though. You didn't get Cruiser you Two didn't round get, one. You you didn't get Cruiser Two round one. Yeah. Like you just can't because you didn't you didn't get a green tech specialty near right. you, and you couldn't buy the resources. Tech. You couldn't yeah. get tech essentially. What do you do? You set yourself up for round two. That be to, for that to be the earliest thing you do. If, Honestly, if you can only get one tech because someone else got tech, then you get neural motivator. Okay, so this is what I'm gonna say. If for some reason you can't do any of these things, I think no matter what your place is in the circle, mm-hmm. politics, because you need oh, well, to secure sure. tech for yeah. yourself yes. in round two. Exactly. If you if you're not gonna be able to, because you want cruiser two first first right. turn yeah. of round two. Yeah, your big contingency is then okay, cruiser two is not gonna work out for you round one. Focus on expansion. Make sure you have two resources at your disposal next round, so that when you play tech next round, because you took politics this round. You spend Mole Primus and a two-cost planet to get Green Tech and Cruiser 2. Mm-hmm. Or maybe you got a Green Tech this round, and then you can get Cruiser 2 and PDS 2. Right. But regardless, your first like three rounds of the game need to be sprinting from your computing. Mm-hmm. Again, that pathway is, if you need it, Neural Motivator, Cruiser 2, PDS 2, Graviton Laser Systems, Salvage Operations, Mirror Computing. In that order. That's every tech that you need. How do you feel about skipping PDS2, though, grabbing mirror computing before? If you've got the yellow tech specialty, if you can skip ahead and do that, okay, but I think you're going to leave yourself weak behind. And my biggest argument, a lot of people talk about ways to sprint for mirror computing, and it can Mm -hmm. be very good. The problem with that is if you get mirror computing really, really quickly and really early, that paints a huge target on your back. Because the second you get mirror computing, no matter when it is in the game, the second you get mirror computing, you receiving trade goods suddenly becomes everyone's top thing they want to block. Mm -hmm. So my big argument is you can actually take the slow road to mirror computing, be stockpiling trade goods for these first few rounds, so that when you do finally research mirror computing, you have a bunch behind you, and now you're okay with the fact that now no one's going to let you get trade goods for the rest of the game. That's a good point. Yeah, if you're playing with people that know Twilight Imperium well, Mm -hmm. they're familiar with mirror computing, like 100% sure. Like, if they're familiar with any racial tech, I mean, really, the two most well-known racial techs are mirror computing and non-Euclidean shielding. Those are the two. Everybody knows those. Right. Everybody's seen those in a game and been like, that's crazy. Right, exactly. And so you got to play against that a little bit and and sprinting for the biggest threat i just don't think is as strong as sprinting for cruiser 2 yeah. getting mobility defending your pie slice once everything is set up all right let's turn these trade goods no, into I like some what you're real saying. money i like what you're saying you, you never forget about the meta guys like yeah. they're like we all know i mean if you're playing with people that know how to play then they all know how to play right. and like there are certain things that like you know, that's if you, the same goes for if you're going to sprint for War Sun all of a sudden. Right. Like, people are just going to be like, oh, wow, that's something you did. Yeah. That's not really making everybody happy yeah, right now. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, to that same end, you bring up War Suns. I did want to mention once you get mirror computing, mm-hmm. that's honestly the last tech that you need. You should sprint for that. And then, in my opinion, you need to start turning all of your money into more fleets and more units because you probably sacrificed a lot to get to that point. Well, you're probably spread pretty thin. You're at spread this point. really thin yeah. at this point. You've got a lot of money though. Hopefully you built up a bankroll of trade goods and you need to start turning those that money into units. There is an argument for you being pretty close to War Suns and the path to War Suns being pretty good for you. Because all you need is Mage and Defense Grid, Duranium Armor, 
War Sons. Boom. It's good, but the biggest thing for me is that's a win more strategy. If you've got the room to do that, cool. But you need to make sure your fleet is getting backed up by this point. Because you're not getting mirror computing until at least round three. More likely round four, depending on how things kind of shake out. Which means, based on our judgments, if we're playing a ten-point game, you only got two rounds left anyways. I don't want to focus on spending more money on tech just to get War Sons. I want to get more cruisers, more dreadnoughts, more everything else on the board. I'm, I, I'm seeing that in my mind's eye... In my mind's eye, this is a special new segment where we go into Hunter's mind's eye. In my mind's eye, I think the reason you get War Sun is because if you did all of this, Uh you might be winning, which means it might be time to research War Sun and build one in your home system because, oh, buddy. Yeah, that's very, very true. It is win more, but it is also you're about to get hurt and you need to defend. I think The other thing that you put in your home system, though is that flagship because that flagship's going to do a lot more to defend your home system than anything else is it depends on who you're going up against well no here's my point if you played the way i'm telling you to play you built up a good pds network you put your flagship in your home system you're taking four five maybe six pds shots and they're not allowed to sustain damage fair point (laughs) So I would focus on getting the flagship out and getting some fleets to back it up. Well, that War Sun conversation carried us through the entire game, but we still got to circle back around to the mid game. Yes, it's very <laughs> true. So let's let's back up and talk about like what are you what are you actually doing? We said you're spreading out as the Mentac, right? Mm-hmm. So let's talk about that trade game. Let's talk about trade. Um, you you have bad commodities. Yeah, it would be better if they were better. It would All be right. better if they were better. Um, there were more of them. Sorry, the I, I was confusing there. The, I don't idea, <laughs> the idea of trading for you is not going to happen very much. You are not a good trading partner, and you will not get a lot out of trade. But you want to encourage trade amongst the entire board. If you were able to get your Cruiser 2 thing to work out, and uh, you're going into round 2 with like all those things you really wanted, take trade. Trade should be your round two pick. And honestly, it should be your round three pick and your round four pick because you want people to get those commodities on the board and you want to ensure that everyone gets to refresh their commodities. Maybe not everyone. I'll put a caveat there of like there's going to be people at the board that you don't want getting away with anything. But for the most part, and especially your neighbors or anywhere you spread out to, those people need to replenish their commodities because you want people trading. You want everyone talking to each other because you benefit when people are trading. Here's the problem you're going to run into, and this is something we've seen a lot, and it was kind of a big shocker with Mentac in TI4. They really, really, really reshape the trade game. Everybody wants to, like, meta around your ability. Yes. They don't want to... They don't want to accept that you get to pillage off of them. Right. They would... I think sometimes even would rather just not even do a transaction if it means Mentac gets even a single trade Absolutely, because they know how much it's going to add up to be. So everything we've seen is when Mentac is around, people stop trading, period. Mm -hmm. Even if you replenish their commodities, people... Which might be actually bad for them. Yeah. Sometimes it might even... Like, I've seen it shut down so much where I'm getting to a point where I'm like, all right, but now we're not getting any of the money. Like, Yeah. The problem, though, is... The, the argument people always make... Is mirror computing. Well, is mirror computing, but more so is even if I trade, I'm never getting as much as I was trying to trade for. So it's like, it's not... I'm not ever getting as much as I want to get. Any race that only has two commodities, it's very, very hard 
for them to trade when the Mentak is around. Because, like, their best offer is, like, let's trade two for two, except for then I'm going to lose one, probably, if I have any sort of, you know, bankroll. I think I think this is the reason that I I think I would really want to push on the, like, you should refresh everybody's commodities. Because yeah. you never know. That's the right. whole thing. It's like, you never, like, it's, the meta is so far against them that you might as well put as many opportunities Absolutely. out there as possible. And also get people <clears throat> addicted to that trade, like, here's teat. Here's my other um, argument. And this is one Hunter and I have talked about a lot, and I don't know if Hunter's come around to my thinking yet or not, but I don't think that you should use the pillage ability every single time, no matter what. I think you need to turn trade into this sort of boy who cried wolf scenario, um, or sort of an inverse boy who cried wolf, where sometimes you let people trade and you don't steal anything from them. Because what you want is a situation where... If you steal every single time, that's when people will stop trading. Mm-hmm. But the metagame can work differently if sometimes you let them, sometimes you don't. And so then they're always willing to try the trade because, hey, maybe this is one of those times Mentak is going to let us off the hook. And if you remain a mystery about when you're going to pillage, you probably have better chances of people actually trading and you being able to take some off the top. Yeah. I, I don't have, like, I get I get the strategy. And mm-hmm. I, un, like, I'm... I'm on board, and I, I get your point of view with it. It just it always leaves a sour taste in my mouth because it do, it feels like it goes against the theme. Like, it just doesn't feel like... I don't know. Like, Twilight Imperium is not really the type of game where, like, someone has an advantage over someone, but they just don't do it. Like, you know what I mean? I don't know. I, I mean, I think I disagree because sometimes Hakan, they pull some really interesting shenanigans with being the trade king. And, like, it, it's... Anything that is in the metagame is on point and on brand for Twilight Imperium. Yeah. So if, like, Mentak, you have a lot of room to toy with the meta, and you kind of have to, because otherwise the meta just works 100% against you. Honestly, I wish they could just... I wish I could just steal without having without any of this talking, uh-huh. though. You know what I mean? Like, you that's want what them, I want. I know. You want I want them to, them to just be able system. to steal. Yeah. Like, But that's not where we're at. Yeah, that's so, not where we're at. Um, the, the other thing to remember in all this conversation is don't forget you have that promissory note. Uh, round one, I don't think it's a bad idea to offer it up to people um, to make sure they play cards when you need them to play it. In general, have that philosophy. When you need something to happen, offer up that promissory note. Because the thing you can do with that promissory note is if they attack you and they have your promissory note, they're giving it back to you. And you as the Mentak, your goal is to spread out anyways. So if you give someone your promissory note, you can suddenly decide to make it a goal to just, like, get in their way. Mm-hmm. And at some point, they're going to have to target one of your systems to get you out of their way. There's that, and there's also, like, I think it helps because it helps with the meta. Mm-hmm. Because now we've got one player at the table who is free to just trade without considering that. Yeah. But that doesn't mean the other person other, they're exactly. trading with is free. Exactly. Like, You're still... It takes two to tango. Right. You know what I'm talking? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It takes two to tango. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Takes two to tango. Tango. So the big thing with Mentech and and the trading game and the mid game is spread out, become neighbors with everybody, so that you're always at least it's always available to you whether or not you want to take the tax or you want to trade the promissory note. You need to be in everyone's range mm-hmm. because. As the space pirates, it's not that you're just stealing from everyone. It's that you need to be a part of every single conversation. Mm-hmm. You are you are always something people are considering. Yeah. Well, here's here's the thing, Matt. 
you're talking about this race with all this mobility mm-hmm. and all the, like they're getting they're zipping around the map. They're zippity doodah. Zippity doodah. And you've yet to recommend a single blue tech. Yeah. What what do you what's the matter with you? You're too busy. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, you and, and the big thing is okay. Cruiser two is all the mobility you need. Cruiser two is all the mobility you need. You got three movement. There is an argument for getting some blue tech, right? I want gravity drive so that my flagship can move around with these mobile fleets. That's or not bad. it's not bad. You want light wave deflector so that your cruisers can just go wherever they please. That's, That's not bad. Go. But the problem is you're going really deep into not your pathway to get these things. Ah, is this maybe supplemental tech? This is supplemental tech. <laughs> Obviously, that should be a new segment. That should be a new segment. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, don't don't errata us about what about if you took blue tech? Definitely, yes. What about if you took blue tech? But those are only going to come up in certain games. More than anything, going for that mirror computing, that's your first priority. If you ignore mirror computing and go for blue tech, like, I even, yes. I mean, it might even win you a game by some crazy happenstance, but, like, still, on paper, you did not make use of Mentac to its full ability. Right. If, you, if your strategy doesn't include mirror computing, I just, I don't know, yeah. like... What are you what are you talking about? Here, here's the games I go into blue. Um, the very first stage two objective is have two of every single color tech. All oh, right, I gotta gotcha. go into blue. Yeah, yeah I, I have to do that. Fine, but there's very very few scenarios where I find it incredibly important to go into blue. If you're looking at the board and for some reason your home pie slice has two blue uh, tech specialty planets. All right, maybe consider it. It might be one round for you to take Fleet Logistics or Light Wave or whatever. Like, maybe you can jump down that path. But, I mean, honestly, I really do stand by. Go down the pathway we got. Once you get to mirror computing, stop and build fleets. Because you are not going to have the fleets you want by the time you finish getting mirror computing. Yeah, and I mean, like, you're you're close to Warsun at that point. And Warsun is, I think, in my opinion, a better win more yeah. for late yes, game. Yes, than Light Because... Wave. Lightwave is like something cool that you can use to pull off some great stuff in the mid game. Yes. But by the late game, hopefully if you're ahead and you've accomplished all of this, you don't really need to be focusing on like, oh my god, I'm getting yeah. this weird thing. I it's more like, let's just make sure we yeah. don't get, you know, smushed. Right. Here's the one caveat I will say. If you end up with this awesome crazy hand of secret objectives and you see how Lightwave Deflector is gonna help you accomplish that, okay. Go, go for that. That's But that, that's a huge situational right. caveat. And that's the whole thing about tech caveats in general is like, if you're listening to this episode and then you get into a game where you're like, oh, I really need this tech, but Space Cat said to not get it. Yeah. Well, no. no. Do, do <laughs> no, the thing that it. you should like, do. Right. <laughs> you, you should get the tech that you see is specifically going to help you in this Absolutely. game. Yeah. yeah. We are talking from a baseline. Yeah. And yeah. it has to be divorced from most. I mean, it, yeah. it can only really reference victory points in a very like, yes. you know, over because we don't know what you're going to get. Right. You know. And like we already said, mirror computing definitely applies to way more victory points oh, on the man, board than so anything many. else. Maybe more so than any other tech. Yes. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, so thinking about everything we're talking about, uh, you're moving around, you got a mm. lot of, you know, and stuff, and uh, command counters. Is yes. it going to be a problem? Yes. Yes. It's, the answer is yes. <laughs> well, yeah. The answer is kind of always yes. Uh, in my game where I felt like I was doing everything I wanted to do, command counters was certainly a problem I had. Um but if you get mirror computing, it becomes not a problem. And honestly, this is something I was forgetting to do in my game. I was not using mirror computing to the fullest extent. But here's the way to think about command counters. You don't 
need huge fleets. You really are using all of those command counters to bounce around the board, but you're mostly doing that early. By the late game, you might not be having to take so many actions per round. It might be just kind of like repositioning, grabbing quick little planets. Um, you're always wanting to take advantage of weak planets and weak fleets. Um, you know, always be using ambush to just like snipe out at someone if it's easy to, to accomplish. You know, if someone's got a fairly rogue carrier and you've got two cruisers nearby, let's go see if we can ambush that it's, thing. I mean, yeah, yeah really go for it. Um, and I, I want to make something clear. When Matt says you don't need huge fleets, we're we're talking like mid game. Yes, absolutely. We're, we're yeah, 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 yeah. Late game, everyone. Late needs game, big fleets. everyone needs yes. a big fleet. Yeah. But in the mid game, you're you're just jumping around with these cruisers. So yeah, you're you're gonna probably run out of command counters, which is why you hopefully want to get mirror computing fairly fast and have a trade good stockpile. Because for every three trade goods you spend, you get two command counters, which is like just such a better deal than anyone else is getting. And you want to be free to ambush. I mean, like yeah. we haven't talked about salvage operations a lot, but once you get salvage operations, it's a fun little boom yeah. to your economy. Yeah. To ambush the the pick off the small fleets, right, and great. then replace the carrier with your own or whatever. Yeah, like there's whatever, a lot you can do. do. Yeah, so um, I, I would say be a little bit worried about command counters, but just remember, mirror computing is there to help you with that problem. Mm -hmm. It's it's actually a fairly easy problem to solve as long as you're not getting completely shut out of the trade game, which does happen. There are going to be those games where just like trade. Does, is not working because everyone always, agrees to play against you. Always remember, if you take trade for yourself, you're getting those three guaranteed yep. trade goods, which with mirror computing Two is command six counters. resources. Yeah. Like, that's yeah, that's lot. worth it. Yeah, that's, that's why That's why if anything, like, it's not a bad strategy to say, Mentac, take trade every single time it's available to you, except for round one. Yeah, like, just, always just for the trade take goods. it. Yeah, yeah because they're... Uh, that's so much resources you're just right. banking. There's a lot of other situations where, like, you might need construction because you got to really drop those PDS down or whatever. But if you don't have any other, like, specific plan in place, get trade. Mm -hmm. And remember the secondary on construction as well. This is not a race that yeah. I feel like gets a lot of use out of taking the construction card. You've got no. better priorities. But you do need to be throwing down that command yeah. counter on those, like, random little planets yep. that you're like, oh, I'm not doing anything with that this round. We need to get a PDS, get a PDS. on it because you need to have a little bit of a network. Yes, definitely. So the last thing with the mid game is, and we definitely touched on this, but if the round one went really badly, what are we doing? Again, it's get cruiser two. You need cruiser two. And if people are shutting down trade, it's okay to just like constantly take trade. And if no one's taking the bait, if all of this is going so poorly for you, you it was really slow for you to get cruiser two and, and you're just not getting trade goods like you want, that's when you start hurting people. Become more aggressive. If you can get the trade game to work in your favor, you can just kind of be stealing and have it kind of like this weird symbiotic relationship. But if none of that's working, start sniping people's ships. Because then suddenly they will be more willing. They would rather you steal one trade good off the top than you go blow up your their carrier. See, I think that's that's why salvage operations is useful. Because that's if, if you haven't, if the meta is working against you, you can just start saying like, all right, I'm taking trade. I'm getting my three automatic trade goods. And I'm going to start sniping all your random yep. stuff just for the extra trade good. Because yes. I want those goods. Because they're, I mean, honestly... If you send one cruiser to destroy one ship yep. and get your one trade good, hey, guess what? That wasn't you didn't lose anything. Right, I lost like, nothing, you and lost I nothing. Yeah, yeah exactly. In fact, if anything, you might have a cruiser that's just out in a weird place, and you're like, you know what? I don't need this guy anymore. Let's see if we can get a pre-fire on one right, ship right. and get the trade good back. So now I can do anything with this yeah. guy. 
before we move into late game considerations, there's one other thing I want to bring up because I just know it'll get brought up if I don't say something, and that is, yes, as the Mentac, if you were able to get Cruiser 2 really, really quickly, you can take someone's home system <laughs> turn one. You can take Mechatol Rex turn one. You probably really can't because I don't know where you're going to get the influence from, but you can certainly invade someone's home system. Uh, in my game, this was a very easy thing I could have accomplished, except for the fact that there was an asteroid field in my way, and to that end, anti-mass deflectors, at the very least, isn't a bad get, depending on the positioning of asteroid fields. That's one of those caveats you might have to throw out there. But in general, you might look for those opportunities, because it might mm -hmm. be a really, really easy thing to accomplish. Yeah. Depending on who your neighbors are, they're going to typically be expanding with everything they got, leaving their home system delicate mm -hmm. and you are one of the few races primed to just like hop in there jolnar is one i would certainly consider looking for those opportunities uh because if jolnar has a pds though they have two pds they have two pds so it's scary to get in there but if you took both i don't know i don't know i'll say if if it's if your neighbor is a race that d doesn't start with pds because you're only gonna oh, be able definitely. to bring one infantry that's what i'm saying yeah yeah if, yeah. if they if they've got they ain't got one, which is a majority, really. Mm -hmm. Not that many races start with PDS. Yeah. Um, I, I'm not going to look it up, but no. it's at least half. Uh, <laughs> look uh, for opportunities. Yeah, just look. It, it's a hole to keep in mind. Yeah. I don't, I still don't think that, I mean, that's one of those things where it's like, you're going to probably cripple that one person because they're not going to be able to score a point that And round, everyone probably. at the table is going to hate you. Yeah, everyone's going to hate you. The meta is going to suck. You're probably, you are probably going to, like, I mean, early game not being able to score a point that you should have right the other thing too though is like you gotta make sure they can score a point otherwise what are you doing because yeah. remember guys early invasion i mean you're not you're not gonna be able to keep it they're gonna no, take it back like, exactly that's, that's you're not... gonna you're it's in your favor to leave as soon as possible it's certainly only to shut down one player for probably two or three rounds um and it doesn't cost you too much it's worth it's it's not a bad idea but just know how badly the game is going to turn against you if you do that. It's Cal not a, it's not a recommendation I make lightly. It's, Calculate it. Yes. If they can't even score a VP that round, like, yeah. don't just don't. why? You're not going to hold it. Yeah, you're you're not going to hold it, and it's gonna it's gonna cost you a lot at yeah. the table. Right. And you're already the mintac. You're already you yeah. already got the meta against you. Right. So let's move on. That, yeah, that that's a thing game. that let's I talk. know people were going to bring up, and I just wanted to put the kibosh on it. <sighs> Counters. Game. Yeah. Counters. Who do you counter? A lot of big bad boys we yeah. counter. Well, and really it comes down to our flagship counters a lot of people. Yeah. I would say Mentech as a whole doesn't counter a ton of people. But that flagship is really scary to the L1Z1X, the Barony. I would make an argument for Soul. Maybe not. It depends on what Soul is doing. But L1Z1 and Barony is like big. written in the sky. Yes. Like it's like Get your flagship and threaten those two races with it. Um, but, like, from a baseline, you don't really counter anybody. I will say you can have an incredibly interesting relationship with the Emirates of Hakan. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't call them an enemy. If anything, I would call them your best friend at the mm -hmm. table. The mm -hmm. way the two of you can build off of each other and kind of make each other bankrolls, there's just a lot you can do if the Hakan player is willing to play along. Yeah, but the other thing, too, is Hakan... I think I think Mentech really has to court Hakan because yes. the thing is Hakan doesn't necessarily want to trade with Mentech because they have bad commodities. Right. So like the ball's in their court. Yeah, and and, and like we've established, old Hunbun, old Hunters, uh, Hakan's strategy is to not refresh yeah, everybody's commodities, which is not in Mentech's favor. Right. That's for sure. Yeah. 
Um, they also have an interesting interaction with Sar. Yeah. Like, especially if they were neighbors, because yes. Sar is gaining trade goods from planets. And so... Sar does not want to come through your pie slice, necessarily. Yeah, so in that way, you're sort of like an early game deterrent against Sar, unless they don't think about that, yeah. and then they do. And then, oh man, you could get some really weird yeah. early trade Sar goods. can turn into a counter against the Mentak if they really want to. It's a very weird relationship, but certainly one to consider. Yeah. Is if you're Sar's neighbor, you should at least start having conversations with them you should definitely if you're if you're playing in a game with l1z1 or barony which is very common picks yes. like really get in um, their face with that flagship grab that flagship and get ready to do some late game big fights yes. with it because you're gonna be you're probably one of the only races that can neutralize yeah. l1z1 or barony really yeah so on that same conversation of the flagship um, it's so funny that like all of our counter conversations sort of revolve around the flagship, but we've barely talked about the flagship. Yeah, that's it's a just a point. great flagship. Like yeah. you can cancel sustain damage. That's amazing. All of our other strategies have revolved around like how do you get the money for things, and really it comes down to like that money then pays for the flagship. And your late game strategy is to walk around with that flagship with a great fleet, with a Big good fleet. yeah. That's why I don't want you to buy any more tech after me or computing because you get that flagship, you put a couple dreadnoughts with it, you put the rest of your cruisers with it. And you just start crushing people. Yeah. So who's who's that going to be hard to do against? Um, well, Necro. Necro virus weird is because a... if you uh, attack Necro, you give them mirror computing, and yeah. they want that. They want that. I, bad. I will say we we're going to talk about the fact that Necro. There are there are some races that have tech that like if Necro's in the game that tech is unresearchable. Mm -hmm. I do not think of mirror computing as one of those. No, it's not great for Necro to get mirror computing, but it's not the worst thing in the it, world. I mean, I don't know. It's like, gonna benefit you way more than it's gonna benefit Necro. All I know is if I'm Necro and Mentech is my neighbor, I'm gonna plan to have it. Oh yeah, that's absolutely. The thing. Um, but the big problem with Necro is... Is the flagship. Is Necro's flagship. Yeah, Necro's flagship uh, makes all the ground forces into these kind of weird, like, not fighters. It's broken. They're, it's broken. It's I hate it. I actually they're hate it. They're ships that don't count against fleet supply, which is the problem. Yes. And that's and they're not And, and they are non-fighters. And they're not fighters. They're very strange. Yeah. And so your whole sustained damage thing, who cares? Yeah, like they, they just bring they so much take, to the table. They're, and, yeah. your, and your ambush isn't helping, too, because you're taking two pop shots, and they're just going to, yeah, okay, you, you killed two of my 400 ground forces. Yeah. And, like, with, with anybody else, like, I mean, you at this point you might be saying, like, oh, well, why not anybody with, uh, like, like, fighter swarms? Yeah. Why, like... Why? Why not? I won't call those counters against you mm -hmm. having big fighter swarms. It's certainly something you're going to have to deal with, and it is it is a problem with you, but I just don't see it being so strong that you can't get around it. And the, the fact of the matter is part of your other strategy is that you needed to build up that PDS network. And if mm -hmm. there's a bunch of people with fighters, doubly so, get get the pds network out there i might say that fighter swarm races are merely like a deterrent against mentag but yeah. like fighter swarm races because of the pds network aren't really a like they're not it's not a counter it's just you. yeah you yeah. got to worry about it i mean we, we we actually debated a lot whether or not nalu is a counter against the mentag and i think there's an argument there but there's certainly not going to be a counter every game. I just don't Necro think... is always going to be no, a problem. No, you're right. It's always going to be a problem. I think what it comes down to is that Mentech can't really cut into a Nalu pie slice. Right. And neither could Nalu cut into Mentech's pie slice. Probably. So it's kind of just like... Yeah. 
it's just kind of a neutral. You guys are gonna butt heads. It's similar to like the ex Trump Arborek relationship, right? Where it's like you both sort of you're both kind of good other. at the same thing. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Um, uh, but let's talk about extra then. So extra is certainly someone that counters you only in the respect that they're not going to really be a mid-game option for you to carve into yeah it, you can try to become neighbors with them but that's it's going to be tricky to keep that going because their pds are always going to try to fire at your cruisers because like we said it's not going to be very big fleets that you have moving around it's really going to be these like lone cruisers going along so let me ask a question though yeah. does cruiser pre-fire happen before pds no, fire? pds is before because cruiser pre-fire so, is at the start of combat ah so and that's so it's a problem go. there it, we go buddies and so to that end really anyone who go decides to focus on pds networks deep mm-hmm. space cannon pds networks that, that's tricky for you to handle mm-hmm. the, the last thing you want is to be trying to dodge your cruisers around pds's it's certainly possible because your cruisers have a movement of three but you're gonna have to get really really creative with where you activate planets if there's a big pds network in your yeah, way yeah so yeah if if you have an arborec that's gone heavy pds which that's a problem is an option yes. but not my favorite right um yeah that could be a thing uh jolnar can yeah. always be mentioned Definitely. in the counter discussion for sure. in any way. But also, I'd... there's a lot of incentive for Jolnar to go PDS heavy as well. That's so true. So it's definitely up there. Could be a thing. So... What makes us a superpower? How are we overcoming all of these odds? I think you hit on it hard. A lot. Let's sum it up. Ambush and mirror computing. Yes. That's it. That's that's it. You benefit from your tech more than any other race, and so you want to get it as quickly as possible and then stop and get fleets. But ambush is so good in the mid-game, you... you, would be remiss to not take advantage of it. Mm-hmm. If you can just snipe out anything you can, it's going to cripple them, and it almost never costs you anything. It's it's better than Yin. If our <laughs> argument for Yin is, ooh, you can like hurt somebody, well, they're losing destroyers in the in the fight, whereas Mentak are just killing things. Dude, I think the Yin episode is going to be like three hours long. Yeah, it is. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, the the big thing I would say for Mentak to really you gotta stockpile those trade goods. That's, that's your that's what your you really best do. your best bet to having a good game is if you are somehow able to really get out there, steal trade goods a lot, and stockpile them. Don't spend too much too fast because you're waiting until you get mirror computing online, and then you're keeping a few trade goods behind to claim those objectives. You know those resource or influence objectives. Uh, and then within beyond that, it's spend on command counters and spend on fleet. And like you want to hold on to trade. If you're spending a trade good as one resource, you're kind of wasting your time. Yeah. You need to get mirror computing and hold on to all of your trade Just goods wait. until that point. Wait, wait. Just that's... Make, it, make it happen without spending exactly. trade Exactly, because that's where your superpower comes from, is, yeah. is doubling your money. And don't forget, if, if you do get shut out of trade, if you take the trade card for yourself, you're going to get Three trade six goods? trade goods out of that yes. with, with basically yes, with mirror computing. Exactly. So, I mean, that's not nothing. And I mean, like, you could probably hold on just doing that. Exactly. You know? um, so you're getting your victory out of early economic victories. Yeah. Um, because I think late game, you're going to find that you get shut down a lot of the time. So you need to strike hard early so that you hold on to those advantages into the late game. You can be a late game race, but you need to make sure you are aggressive in the early and mid game. Um, when you... Go for objectives. Do it smartly. You're not like Clanasar. You don't get to just lash out at every objective that comes in front of you. You need to make sure you don't stretch yourself too thin. You're going to stretch yourself thin, though, so just find where that happy balance is. And Don't, don't mess up your checklist is really yes, the thing. Yes, that's the like, big thing. Because, yeah, I mean, if you, if you throw your whole checklist of techs off, 
so that you get one VP in the early game, right. then I don't. It's not going to look too good for you when the when the stage two objectives start. Exactly. Coming out. You need to get you, all that. All needs to be ready for stage. If two. you do the checklist, you really have everything that you need. Mm-hmm. You have two upgrades. You have two yellow tech, and it's really easy for you to get two red tech, yeah, or maybe you're racial. Racial. So you're getting all those tech objectives. You have mirror computing, so you're spending money on all those resource and influence objectives. Like, you can claim so many objectives easily if you do the work on the front end. Mm-hmm. And that's, I mean, really, that's it. That's the biggest thing is take early advantages because yeah. it's going to pay off a lot in the long run. Yeah. We are the pirates who don't do anything. We just say, oh, we're pirates. <laughs> <laughs> Let's uh, head on into the errata, maybe now. Yeah, and not do anything. Welcome to the Space Cats Peace Turtle Errata. My name is Hunter, and this is uh, what's your name? I'm Matt. And we got some errata we got to yeah. talk about. Uh, it's Arborek time from yes. two weeks ago. Regular yes. time. time. Don't be go. worried about anything. Don't turn that dial. Hey, don't turn that don't dial. Turn that dial. Uh, so first up, we got Blarknob from Reddit Twilight Imperium, and he says that he's found it better to just go all yellow. He's talking about tech. Um, Sarween tools, transit diodes, and integrated economy are so good <laughs> for them, and that it is worth going for them all first, particularly transit diodes, which is just better than bioplasmosis, plasmosis, plasmosis, because... You use it during an action phase instead of the status phase. He's also found that Fighter 2 is very good for Arborek. They can use Sarween tools to just drop those fighters on every action. Uh, two parts here. Yeah. I agree with the transit diodes point. We've had a better... We've had a couple games recently where transit diodes has turned out to be pretty good. I'm coming around on a big yeah. in a big way. Yeah. Um, but... I don't know how sold I am. I mean, like like we said in the episode, a lot of the yellow stuff just kind of helps you do stuff you already do. So, yeah. I mean, like, transit diodes could be really clutch. Like, it could be, mm-hmm. like, you having it might help you in a really big way. Or, I don't know, maybe you just, your swarm's so big, like, yeah. you don't even need to move four if, ground forces around. I don't if know. If you're having a pretty decent game, I'm going to say a lot of times you're not going to need it. Because, the yeah, there's just going to be ground forces on every planet anyway, so you're not going to need to move them around. But Integrated economy is also just, like, it's just, I, I don't think we've recommended it once for no. anybody. But it is good. It's just something that's, like... I just always think it's too little, too late. Like it's so yeah, late. Yeah, you've already conquered the. That's the problem we keep coming to with it. Is like you've probably already, you probably already took your pie slice. So this is just like, it's an added benefit. It's it doesn't feel like a level four tech, and it doesn't seem to be specifically better than for. If for you could get to it really fast and like plan around it and get yeah. you know for sure get some te- some uh, not some tech uh, some sorry some units out of it, uh, then it's dope. I don't know how I feel about fighter two though that. That part, I'm a little bit... Because we talked about the command counter problem that you can run into with Arborek, and I do feel like that is totally there. Um, And Fighter 2 is a very kind of command counter-heavy strategy. Yeah, and I think the goal with Arborek should be that like late game, the only thing you're worried about anymore is fleet supply really like mm-hmm. by late game you should have all these good production centers where you can build a bunch of stuff and you should probably have a decent amount of money so why not just build better fleets than advanced fighters i don't know if you're going to have the excess fleet supply and the excess 
build orders and the excess everything else to also throw a bunch of advanced fighters down. It's another thing that you could fill the gaps. I mean, it's going to help, you know, protect your planets because it's just another thing to keep fleets from getting through. But I, I don't... I certainly don't think it's necessary, and this is one of those situations where I think people are recommending tech when it's like, you gotta remember that this game, at least for us, almost every single game has ended round six, which means you're really not getting a ton of tech. So if you're getting advanced fighters, it usually means you're not getting something else, and I think whatever you end up not getting is gonna hurt you more than however much advanced fighters is gonna help you. Yeah, good to good to talk to you, Nob. Um, <laughs> Sove, Sove um, from Reddit Twilight Imperium uh, gives a really good breakdown of just kind of all of the the possible round one strategy card picks. And people have been writing a lot of these lately, and yeah. uh, they're really cool. And I really like the work that people are doing. I don't always agree with everything that's being written, and I think the reason we recommended diplomacy last episode is because it just seems like the most, um, I don't know how, how to say it, like the most stable pick. Mm-hmm. It's a very specific thing you have to um, like make happen if you pick diplomacy, but it, it's all based on what yeah. you do. What's nice about these little guides, though, is at the very least, someone is showing you every option. Because if you're picking fourth or fifth, I mean, obviously, sometimes you're in a situation where you're not getting the ideal thing. So it's nice to know, okay, well, if I have to end up with the strategy card I don't love then what do I do in that situation? And uh, Sove gives us three options. Uh, They didn't really talk about uh, trade as one of the options. They just went over warfare, tech, and diplomacy. But um, I think we almost went over trade enough um, in our episode where it's pretty much covered. So yeah, in general, keep chunking out those uh, where we talk about every option of every strategy card round one because that helps inform a lot of the things that Hunter and I are talking about in these episodes. Yeah, and check out his post. It's on uh, the episode post for the Arborec. Yes. Yeah. Um, Next up is Robofish who posted on BoardGameGeek. What he has to say kind of goes along pretty well with what Sauvé um, breaks down, but um, he, he says that Sarween is vital, which I couldn't agree more. Um, but tech is simply a better round one pick. It doesn't require a command counter, and you don't get anything else from diplomacy. Only getting one tech is no problem if it's the first thing you do, and gets you Sarween. Also helps you delay against two carrier races who took warfare. With diplomacy, at best you'll get a three resource and a two resource planet, but you have to spend to get a four cost tech and a three resource carrier. So the whole issue being... A three resource, like your best case scenario is to get a three resource planet and a two resource planet, but those five resources are really going to be spent as four resources for the right, tech. Right, you're going to have to waste it. Yeah, so it, it doesn't specifically help you to have diplomacy instead of just like, instead of trying to spend money on tech, just get a free tech. Yeah, I think it's, honestly, it's just, kind of, it's a really tough call between tech and diplomacy. I will, yeah. I'll, I'll give it, I'll give it that. Yeah. The thing, the other thing about diplomacy, about, or sorry, about recommending tech um, over diplomacy is that you probably won't get tech. Like tech right. is generally like a like if you're speaker, obviously, um, going tech is great uh, and it's pretty straightforward how you're going to use that and how that's a great pick. Yeah. Uh, the thing about diplomacy that I think keeps drawing me and Matt towards recommending it is the reliability of you getting an opportunity yeah. to take At it. At this stage in the meta diplomacy isn't a super common pick Mm -hmm. so at the very least if you have a planned out strategy for what you're going to do with diplomacy 
a lot of times you're going to end up with diplomacy and you can use that plan. Yeah. So um, having a big plan for technology can be very easily thwarted if you pick second or third and someone gets it before you. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matt the Fat on the Twilight Imperium subreddit uh, mentioned just this th- an idea of another combo. This is something we never talked about, mostly because we don't, we're not in love with Latani 2, but uh, Matt the Fat pointed out that pairing Latani 2 with stasis capsules, which is... Uh, cruiser 2 um, is pretty useful and I like it because it's a bit of a stopgap measure it's something you can do if other things haven't worked out super great for you Um, you can send out these little cruisers with single ground forces that can then triple in size on any planet they land on you know you landed on a planet that produces two more ground forces suddenly you're already rooting on places that you were never supposed to be so it's a way to get kind of in other people's faces if your pie slice has been denied to you um, at all Honestly, if you had access to some uh, like uh, some really specific uh, tech planets, like a green or something, yeah. um, I would I would probably recommend this more. If you could get like both greens in your pie slice right. and do something some of that crazy business. Um, the problem is, I feel like this feels like an early mid game mm-hmm. like combo. It's especially mid game. It sounds really really good. Like getting. Like basically invading a neighbor's pie slice yeah. just through this like one random planet that they left mm-hmm. empty. Uh, mm-hmm. That sounds really really cool. But it doesn't set you up for a late game yeah. swing, and we were really pushing this late game swing strategy. So the whole problem is if you have planets kind of all over sporadically through the galaxy that you got with this combo, I don't know what you then turn that into. I don't know what you do with that um, yeah. versus having like a super solidly defended pie slice. I think it sounds really good, but the amount of effort that it's going to take to get the tech to that point in the tech, um, I just don't think that's actually what you should be focusing on. Yeah. Um, if you can get there easily, though, this sounds this sounds yes, cool. Like, that's I, the big I, thing is if it's in your line of sight, go for it. I do not challenge the idea that this sounds cool. Yeah. It sounds cool. Yeah. Um, so Groffle Mall on Reddit Twilight Imperium uh, wrote that his biggest mistake was researching Latani Warrior 2. Oh, yeah, we don't like it either. But that's, he's saying, because there was a Necro player in his game who suddenly had most of the advantages of being Arborek and has two production-upgraded infantry acting as fighters when his flagship was around. It was terrifying. Yeah, that is probably one of the best racial tech for Necro to get their hands on. Yeah, basically, this is one of the situations where there are certain races in the game where if Necro is in your game your racial tech is unresearchable, and Latani 2 is one of those. If yeah. Necro's in your game, under literally no circumstances should you research it, because it's not... To give the Necro all of your advantages is... No, it's insane, especially considering, like he points out, what Necro can do with their ground forces in addition to everything else. It's it's madness. Uh, we haven't gotten to the Necro episode yet, but I'll go ahead and give you a little teaser. I feel like that flagship is like the cornerstone of yes. the entire yeah. strategy, yeah. So, and it combos really well. Latani 2 with that flagship is completely insane. It feels like an unstoppable force, honestly, yeah. at that yeah. point. Um, Rocket Lucas on Reddit Twilight Imperium kind of wanted us to elaborate on Arborek's uh, flagship. We sort of, basically, we... we we touched on Arborek's flagship, but we didn't go very much into detail. And the biggest reason is because we don't think it's especially amazing, but it certainly has some uses. Um, Altrus the Bold responded saying, this is the this is the way to think about it. It has capacity five, which means you can hold five ground forces on it, which means it always has a moving production of five because you're just going to be able to put those ground forces wherever and build out of them. But the idea that it can also 
build five things at the start of a phase. If that's the system you activated, the one with the flagship in it, you get to build five things at the start of that action, which means you can build five ground forces in addition to the five you already have. You can just instantly turn a system into a production of 10, or if you have Latani 2, a production of 15. The basic idea behind that flagship is park it somewhere where you know you're going to want to pump in new ground forces. You can take it somewhere and then next round drop a bunch of ground forces you know, on the planet or drop a bunch of whatever, but in general it's sort of a... Um, I would get the flagship if you're kind of having a not-so-great game and you need to um, really pick up the pace on your production because your ground forces got behind or something. In the game that I played, the way that I used their flagship was basically... Uh, my starting fleet was like a snowball that I started to build through the pie slice. The flagship was something I built back at my home system to start that second fleet. Right. That's how I used yeah. it. And I it was good for that. I'm not crazy about the flagship, though. I'm not going to go out of my way and say that it is like a great or super necessary flagship. It's weird. Like, I love the Arborek production abilities, but it seems like they have so many ways to get more and more and more out of that that sometimes I just feel like... Do you really have like all the money to yeah. do all of this? Like, are you like at a certain like I played and didn't really focus on upgrading in any of their production stuff, and I had like run out of ground forces and was just throwing tokens everywhere, and I had like crazy amounts of inf infantry and crazy amounts of really just everything. Yeah, I ran out of cruisers at one point. If like, you do all the things we said to do in the guide, if you are able to, if you're lucky enough where like nothing gets too terribly in the way of you being able to build up these production centers, you don't need any of the extra production abilities. Mm -hmm. Like, regular Latani warriors without the flagship and without the Latani upgrade are enough if you're able to build the pie slice right. And then you can focus, like we said, on building tech that fills in holes rather than just enhancing things that you're already great at. That you're at. already good at. But then I I feel like the idea is with some of these other ways to go about it, it's just like if the game didn't go your way, you know, if you're trying to recover, yes. maybe this flagship is part of that. You can right. start a whole new fleet with this flagship really fast. Yeah, yeah. So it's a it's a boosting yourself back up measure um on reddit twilight imperium and board game geek we had a bunch of um responses and the the, the question being asked by mr forgetful and doomguy 68 and rook 666 is basically we kept talking about like then in the late game you swing into having a good big fleet and you are really destructive and you do a lot of work in the late game and and everyone was kind of asking what is that fleet what is that fleet supposed to consist of uh, and really the problem is there isn't a perfect answer to that question yeah as opposed to a lot of races where it's like oh you obviously go for cruisers like we just got done talking about with mentac or you know get your whatevers like the only thing we know about our break is get the ground forces so that you can build whatever else you need to build. Look at the board. Look at who you're up against. If there's nothing stopping uh, fighters, build up a bunch of big fighter screens and build a bunch of carriers. If you need big, big ships, then build the big ships. But the, the, the biggest idea is in the late game... Just build stuff. Like, it, it kind of doesn't matter. There's no perfect fleet for the Arbrek. It's just whatever's going to take down your enemy. I was just going to say, you're not really poised specifically to go after any, like, upgrades, nor besides infantry do you have any special units. Like, they're just not really, like, angled at anything. Yeah. In much the same way that Hakan is just like, you have a lot of money. You can spend that on whatever, whatever. you want. Yeah, like, go exactly. go for it. Like, and this isn't, like, that you have a lot of money, but it's that you can produce anywhere. So, yeah, throw all your plastic on the 
slice yeah. like yeah. Th- on the slice, on the slice. <laughs> it works i like it <laughs> throw all your plastic on the slice Get yourself dog. a plastic pizza listen really look at your it. slice and throw all your plastic down on it homie <laughs> Uh, the only thing we can maybe get a little bit more specific is in the mid-game when maybe you're you're focusing on ground forces, but you do need these little fleets to get the ground forces around. What are you supposed to build? My best recommendation is have a Dreadnought and a Carrier. The Dreadnought is really nice to have because, A, it's carrying one infantry, and it's going to bombard planets to help you take new planets and get down on them and then root. Uh, so it's protecting and carrying your infantry, and then just have a carrier with two infantry, two fighters. That way, when you're moving around, you've got three infantry going to any planet you might take, or if you need to split them up, you know, you can two and one on the two planets that you're invading, uh, and then a couple fighters to soak some hits so that no one can immediately direct hit your dreadnought. I mean, that that would be my way to go about it. Yeah, I, I'll get even less specific than that and just say, like, if it's the middle of the game and you have carriers that you haven't built, uh-oh. Get them uh-oh. all out there. Yeah. Uh oh. Hey. Uh oh. Also, I mean, there's the idea of the cruiser and Latani two thing. If depending yep. on how your game went, that's another fleet you could go for. Get get upgrade those cruisers. Um, Robofish uh, in another point on Board Game Geek brought up. Um, we talked about counters, and one of the counters we didn't really bring up is the Barony Letnev have this flagship that makes PDS useless. Which means they can send a bunch of things in. Also, their flagship's bombardment is three on a five. Yeah. So they're going to do very, very well against your well-rooted planets, uh, especially if they bring, you know, two or three extra dreadnoughts to that fight. Uh, so, yes, that's a counter. That's something to be extremely worried about. The advantage is it's only one system. It's not like they're doing that everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and wherever they're coming... This would be one of those games where maybe you do want transit diodes because you can warp oh, guys yeah, around to sure. to defend things. And the biggest chunk of advice we have is look at how big that fleet is and have more ground forces on the planet you know they want to go for than they have bombardment. Yeah, that's the that's, thing about the Barony flagship is you just got to count it up. Just count up how many bombardments are going to be able to get down. I mean, if it's all five dreadnoughts in the flagship, that's I mean that's, that's gonna. A I'm sorry, lot. buddy. Hey, buddy. He invested a lot in taking that. Planet. Hey, buddy. I'm he sorry. <laughs> yeah, uh, but that's. But honestly, at that point, that's the thing about the Barony flagship is like it's. Uh, it's pretty scary. Yeah. But it's really only gonna go ham if it's like supported by like a lot of stuff. Right. Um. And yeah, if you're at that point, if Barony's got the flagship out in a big, big fleet, Barony that's had a, a good problem. Game. Yeah. yeah, that's a big problem all yeah. for always for everybody. Yeah, exactly. Um, so Ooh, here we go. The, yeah, the oh, last here we go. The last point is about to get weird. That lots of people brought up. Uh, Christian on our Facebook, Invictus Potato on Reddit, Twilight Imperium, Robofish also brought this up on Board Game Geek. Uh, basically, everyone wants to know why we didn't talk about x89 bacterial weapon as a counter for the arborec anyone can get x89 bacterial weapon hunter so that means anyone can counter arborec if they want to right Mm -hmm. well um yeah i'm sorry what's the question yeah it's as simple as that it's as simple as this no it's it's dynamite it's as simple as someone getting every single green tech at all all the way to level four yep just as like some sort of favor yep. to the board to take care of Arborek personally, and then they do that once per round. Yeah, explain explain from... to me the process 
of actually taking a planet. So game's over round six. You've got <laughs> X eighty nine on round four. Yeah, maybe, maybe. And if you, you use it twice, and then you won, right? That's a counter. Yeah. <laughs> so the way you have to make X eighty nine even work is invade the planet, or sorry, invade the space. Mm-hmm. Hold above it. Next turn, as an action, X eighty nine. Oh wow! Yeah, Wait until the next round, and then on your first action of next round, invade the planet. Yeah, we just feel weird about X eighty nine, guys. Like the problem is X eighty nine is a bad tech. It's just it's so straight much up time. bad. It's, yeah, it, it, it takes it. three turns to make it. Effective. Yeah, if you have fleet logistics, you can also do it. But okay, so you're gonna go three deep into blue and four deep into green. Yeah, guys, we to can't... take out one to take out one single planet of Arborex. Yeah, we can't recommend, like, if we're doing a strategy guide and we're recommending that you get almost all of the blue and green tech, that's not really a guide. That's, yeah. like, that's that's not really helpful. Like, yeah, if you had all the tech, that would be the right. best. A better solution to the Arborex problem is get in their pie slice early. Mm-hmm. As long as you do that, we had a game recently. I played a game as Mentech recently where the Arborex tried to spread their wings wide, because that's what you're supposed to do, and I very early on was just like, no, Absolutely not, and I sacrificed a little bit of my position to make sure Arborek didn't get to take too wide of a slice, and guess what? It worked really, really well. Mm-hmm. Arborek was never a full contender for the victory of that game, and um, the whole game he was kind of talking about how like he really felt like he was not getting as much out there as he wanted, and it's because you have to... You have to slow that you progress You gotta slow down. that progress down. It's yeah. the number one thing that you can do is... is hurt them early so that they don't have a big late game swing because x89 is not going to cut it yeah i like i feel like the only way i could recommend x89 is if uh i don't know they're like all parked on x89 is like something you get because you see where you need to use it yeah. and you're just going to use it that one time that's you already went like. way down green if you're someone like i don't know yin or there's a couple races that like getting a bunch of green tech is honestly too bad. the only people Bizarro. that i can think of that could really make it work actually is just Jolnar and L1Z1. Like that's yeah. all. Just because Jolnar is going to have Jolnar could have. We talked about oh you're going to have fleet logistics in X89. Oh well that could happen if you were Jolnar. Yeah, right. Uh, it could also happen if you're L1Z1 and you had inheritance systems and you just ignore all the prereqs. Right. But the but again if Arborek has transit diodes. Yeah, all of this is stopped because you yeah. can eliminate all the ground forces on a planet, but all they have to do is warp four more ground forces over there, and you, your whole thing is done. You just lost that advantage. That's another point for transit diodes. <coughs> that that yeah. tech just keeps okay. Yeah. All right. I think it's time for me to say it on the podcast. It's a good. It's a good tech. Yeah. We we didn't we didn't really think it was that good. There are first. situations that it's not useful in, but more often it's going to help you. Yeah. With right with with the races that want lots of ground forces. I just feel like on the podcast we keep saying it's situational, but then we keep talking about all these situations where I'm like, yeah, it'd be good there. Yeah, yeah. And like, <laughs> when do we get to a point where it's like, that's a lot of situations that that situational right. tech is yeah, useful. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. Um, so that's all for the Arborek. But man, if this errata wasn't long enough already, we got to talk about last week's episode. But don't worry, there wasn't much. I mean, we, last week's episode was pretty all over the place. So we've only got a couple of points to hit. The first one being Federico on f- Facebook had a really great point. Uh, we ended on a on a note about Jolnar and Hakan and how like, our strategy against them is force them to draw the strategy card that they're good at because then they don't get to capitalize on their benefits. And Federico had a really good um, point that is is wording it differently but reinforces a little bit what we're talking about. And here's what he said. Still partially convinced that there is a massive difference between Jolnar and Hakan's strategy card dependencies. 
Jolnar gains max benefits regardless of having picked the card or not, Hakan simply gets a free secondary. Forcing Hakan to gain complete unilateral control of his specialty isn't the same as forcing Jolnar to waste his ability. Yeah. Our big idea with Hakan is Hakan benefits by being the trade king and all of these things. So um, if anyone else takes trade, it's going to... It can sometimes hurt Hakan. Jolnar, it's very different because it's just like, well, Jolnar's going to get the same thing if they took trade or, or tech or not. But yeah, the, the gist being... We suggest it for both of them, but also it is not the same conversation for the two of them. It's for very, very different reasons yeah. that you want to do that. It's a very nuanced point he's making. I like the point, though. Yeah. If anything, too, it, it kind of points out the problem of, like, ooh, force Hakan to take trade. Because it's like, in a lot of cases, that's actually, that is what Hakan wants. Yeah. There are lots of situations where Hakan wants to draw te- trade every game, and instead you want to take trade so you can break apart their kingdom. So we go back and forth on that. Even given the differences, though, I and I, I I'm not disagreeing with this point. I do like the point. But even even that being said, I still think you should try and force a con to draw trade and yeah. Jolnar to draw tech, yeah. essentially. And yeah. it's it's for the same reason. It's just like if there's if trade is not happening and Hakan is in the game, then essentially everything is even right. and Hakan isn't getting yeah. to get ahead. And almost the same is true for Jolnar. The problem is that you're gonna start running into victory point yeah. problems of like honestly the the problem is the way we worded it. We said yeah. force them to take it. It's not force them to take it. It's don't take it yeah. if they don't take it. That's sort of what we're saying. Is like, and and all you got to so do that, is do that one round, and then they're gonna be like, oh, oh no, okay, well it. now I have to take it. Mm-hmm. Um, that yeah, that's essentially that's the move we're talking about because that's what happened in a game, yeah. but it was almost on accident. Yeah. But when it happened, it we worked. were like, whoa, this was really good against Jolnar. Yeah. Like w- we had a game. <laughs> We played those dinguses. Um, you'll see it because it's in the video. But, we talked about it last uh, we week. We talked too. about it, but yeah, they just didn't pick tech. Those those little <laughs> it's okay, honey. Those jerks. I know. So we're gonna make it. I couldn't us. believe I them. So our last uh, point, and this isn't really an errata, but Unaligned Magi asked if we were going to play a game at Gen Con while we're there. Uh, again, we talked about doing this big video. Uh, and needing your help, and we're getting a better idea of how you guys want to do that. We're probably going to set up a Patreon, so give us time to kind of get all those kinks ironed out. But are we going to just also play our own game? The The big issue is the tournament's going to take, I think, two days. It's going to be over the course of two days. So two days of our Gen Con is just going to be 100% devoted to recording all yeah, of those like games. Work, really. So there's really only two days left of Gen Con. Uh, we would love to see the show floor and do some other stuff at Gen Con. So hopefully there's going to be one day while we're there that we can get in a good game of TI. So we definitely want to do that. Uh, we'll figure out, you know, how we figure out who we're playing with or, or any any of those details because I'm sure a lot of you are going to be at Gen Con. Um, so we do want to play a game uh, or we want to be maybe present for other games. games. Maybe several games. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll play separate games. Matt will play one yes, game with some people be fun. and I'll play one game with some people. So we're, we're super willing to do that and not just willing. like That, that is a, a yeah, huge desire awesome. of ours. Yeah. So um, with that, Hunter, I want you to do the outro. I want to see how you do. Okay, so uh, <laughs> all right. So this is easy. I got it. Uh, so you can uh, – we have uh, Geosites, Geocities. <laughs> Um, we it's at dot spacecats dot fm slash backslash uh 
you can you can follow us on Ham Radio. Um, <laughs> our handle our, is our, our handle is not Space Cats Beast Turtles. Turns out, <laughs> yeah, that no, it's taken. No, it's meow, <laughs> and I'm Jigub. <laughs> Um, uh, but seriously, we're on Facebook, Space Cats Peace Turtles. Uh, we are on Twitter at Space Cats Pod. You can email us at Space Cats Peace Turtles at gmail.com. Uh, we post every single dadgum week <laughs> on the Reddit Twilight Imperium. Uh, we have a guild on Board Game Geek that good I don't Good luck even, finding yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> good luck finding that. And, uh, if, you know, if you message us, we'll tell you where it is. And by we, of course, I mean Matt. Um, <laughs> What else do we have? We're gonna have a Patreon. We said that, and yeah, we'll have a Patreon soon, and that's it. We'll uh, we'll you, see you guys. You next can week. also, um, if you go to a, a tree, yeah. a special type of tree in okay. China, um, and you cut a hole in it and you whisper a secret, mm-hmm. well, you can do that. You can do that, and it turns out it gets messaged directly into Steve Martin's brain, and he hears everything you whisper to him. You know, for once, that wasn't where I was going with that. And I'm disappointed because I wrote on my hand to not talk about Steve. It's right here. I'm looking at my hand. It says, don't talk about Steve. And then on the other side, it says, do talk about Steve. Thank you for listening to Space Cats Peace Turtles. And thanks to Ben Prunty for the use of his music. You can find more at benpruntymusic.com and benprunty.bandcamp.com. Pax Magnifica, Bellum Gloriosum.